back to another episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. So glad you're joining us today. Today I'm joined by Jessica Kalinchuk to be discussing diet culture and the surprisingly adverse effects of counting your calories and restricting yourself to extreme levels. And Jess was open enough to share a little bit of her personal experience as it relates to these things. Before we get to this episode, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Jess, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. So for people who aren't familiar with you, maybe they haven't seen you on Instagram or TikTok yet, could you share a little bit about yourself? All right. So basically, um, about a year ago, I started working out because I'm in kinesiology and it finally motivated me to start going to the gym regularly and start eating healthy. And a couple months into that, I decided I'm just going to make a fitness account to track my progress and maybe one day it will get bigger and I can inspire other people to do things similar to what I'm doing. So I did that. And for a few months, I just kept it to just a small audience, just my friends. And they kept telling me, wow, like this is really motivating. Thank you so much. And I was like, you know, maybe like I should actually try growing my account. So eventually I actually put in the work to post consistently, share informational content, post reels and stuff like that. And eventually my page started growing and I would have more people coming to me saying, this is so motivating and thank you for all these tips and stuff like that. So now I'm at 4,000 followers, which is amazing. I also have a TikTok, which has helped me grow. Um, so basically, I'm sorry, in the middle of that, I got my personal trainer's license. So um, I'm doing that as well on the side. And um, yeah, so I just have a big passion for fitness and I express it through my fitness account and it's just been a journey. Right. And it seems like your main goal was to help and inspire other people to really kind of take on and live their healthiest and best life or as best as they can make it for themselves. Exactly. Yes. And I'm trying to, I was in a really negative mindset during the pandemic, like when it first started, when we were in lockdown and I almost had an eating disorder. I honestly wouldn't really call it an eating disorder, but I was, I wasn't fat at all like I wasn't overweight and yet I was starving myself I was eating I was aiming to eat 900 calories a day I um, was doing excessive cardio and all of that and I know that a lot of girls go through that same phase in life because of so many factors it's just it's society's fault and I just want to prevent that from happening to other people you're definitely right about that. It is a common thing and we see it mostly in females and it contributes to something that we call the female athlete triad, yeah. uh, which again, it's common in athletes. They have a imbalance of the amount of calories and food that they take in compared to the amount that they're burning. And that leads to a whole array of uh, disorders such as low bone mineral density, uh, amenorrhea, and a lot of other debilitating things. Uh, now, let's kind of unpack what you said there. You said that you struggled with similar issues, and I, I really want to dive into that. What do you think contributed to or caused you to kind of feel and believe that that was the best answer for you uh, when it came to your health and losing weight, right? You're someone who 
is studying uh, exercise physiology, exercise science, and health science. Uh, so, you know, for someone who is studying this stuff to feel like their best option is, you know, extreme caloric restriction and um, burning more than they uh, take in, you know, that really speaks volumes to how prevalent this problem is, right? It's something that strikes even people who uh, have kind of an understanding of things, so to speak. Yeah, so there's a lot of factors that contribute to the way or like this mindset that a lot of girls adopt. And I think that for one thing, I wanted to lose weight. And I think that was mainly based on the media. I would be scrolling through my feed on Instagram and I'd see all these models and they're super skinny. And I'd be like, why don't I look like that? And like just models in general, Victoria's Secret models, they're just everywhere. Mannequins are shaped like that. There's just so much in society that leads you to believe that there's this ideal feminine body that is extremely petite, but it's an unrealistic standard. It is unhealthy. Those people are not healthy. And what made me eat so little is that I went onto this food tracking app. It's called My Fitness Pal. I honestly do recommend the app, but I don't think, I think there are flaws in it. So I would, I think I um, put in, you can put in like your weight, your height, your age, and your goal weight and it will basically be like okay do you want to lose your weight fast or do you want to like do it slowly who's not going to pick the fast option if you're in that mindset so I picked the fast option and then told me to eat 900 calories nobody should be eating 900 calories not even a, a little child that's not that's not realistic in any way um so I just think that things like that should be how can how does an app allow somebody or like tell somebody to eat that much it's it's just not okay right so that you said that the application that you were using uh to contribute to monitoring your health and fitness suggested that you eat less than a thousand calories per day yeah it did i think it like it might have had a little note that said like that good for you or something like that but it's like you're still telling me to eat 900 calories and then on top of that, I'd be doing cardio and stuff like that. Like I was on a hike one day and I was about to faint because I was hiking and I was barely eating. Right. That's, uh, that's very concerning. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of issues with everything you just pointed out. You brought up the social media point and wanting results pretty much instantaneously. And that's a common problem we see amongst people, right? We live in a world where everything is instantaneous. Everything is focused on yeah, instant exactly. gratification. So you can go online and you can get likes and comments and follows instantly. You can text someone and get a response instantly. You know, the days of BRB are here and gone. People mm -hmm. live in the now. And that's all well and good. But when it comes to health and fitness, it's a real practice of discipline and delayed gratification it is in my mind impossible uh again in my opinion and from what i've seen and experienced it is impossible to naturally and through a healthy manner get results in extremely short amount of time right we're talking overnight to weeks yeah. here no one packs on 30 plus pounds of muscle in a week naturally yeah no one drops 30 plus pounds of body fat in a week naturally it takes time 
and you really have to fall in love with the process in order to see those long-term results. And I think that's what makes fitness and health in general so transformative for people. It's interesting because like you said, you can't drop 30 pounds in a week. However, there are YouTube videos, there are advertisements on magazines, on just on Google, anywhere that say drop 30 pounds in a week and um, get abs in a week. And it's like, what? Like who, who, like the person who's making that knows that it's not possible. So why would you advertise that? Why would you advertise somebody to be unhealthy? Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, it, it does tend to be something that people promote. And all I can figure is if you want to explain anything, you can usually explain it by following the trail of money. Uh, so I'm sure that the people who promote these things, whether it's a YouTube video or a book or what have you, uh, they probably make out pretty well financially for it. Maybe yeah. they're uh, selling like a certain product through affiliate marketing, or maybe they're getting millions and millions of views and subscribers, uh, what, what have you. But it tends to, at least again, from what I've seen, there tends to be some kind of financial motivator uh, for people when it comes to these things. The only exception I will mention to this, uh, I recently learned this at the end of 2020, uh, while it is certainly impossible to lose 30 plus pounds per week naturally, uh, there is one specific instance that was mentioned to me by a few past podcast guests, one of them being Tim James uh, at the Hippocrates Health Institute. Uh, however, the weight that you lose by doing this is not actual body fat. Uh, they use a uh, kind of mechanism at the Hippocrates Institute. I'm not 100% familiar with it myself. I've never done it, and I don't know if I'll ever do it uh, because it just sounds odd. But for those out there that really want to pursue it, be my guest. Uh, Hippocrates Health Institute is down in Florida, uh, and they have a device of some sort that helps to treat uh, fecal impaction, uh, which is basically when uh, things stick in your intestines and don't move out. Uh, and they've had instances of people who lose 10 to 12 pounds after um, doing that treatment, and it takes about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, so technically, you know, there is a means, and that is the means, to lose 10 plus pounds in an hour. However, again, it's important to note that you're not actually losing body fat or uh, building muscle in that process. You're literally just cleaning stuff out of your gut. Um, and again, that sounds like a rather disgusting process that I really don't have any interest in uh, doing unless I absolutely have to for medical reasons or something. And that kind of goes into the issue with people focusing on the number on the scale. If you lose 10, 12 pounds using that odd <laughs> machine thing, um, that's only going to affect the number on the scale. It isn't going to affect the way you look. And that's what's so problematic about using the scale. I like, obviously, sometimes using the scale is important. You should know your body weight for like, certain things. If you go to the doctor, sometimes they'll ask. Um, but checking the scale frequently is another mistake that I made before. And even now, this winter, I gained a little bit of weight and I have a very healthy relationship with my body. However, when I hopped on the scale, I did not feel good. 
I didn't even gain that much weight and I just did not feel good at all. And it was just um, a very weird situation because I thought that I was better than that. But that there's just this, I don't know why, <laughs> this is something I haven't figured out yet, but I don't know why, but the scale is just so detrimental and it affects how so many women view themselves and men for no reason. It's just a number. It's just how much you weigh. It's how much <laughs> force you're putting on the earth. There, it should, um, sorry, the way that you view yourself should more so be based on how you physically see yourself. Like, are you pleased with the way that your body looks? Not the number on the scale. And that's what's so frustrating. Right. The scale never tells the full story. Uh, if you want the full story, you usually have to get body composition checked. And yeah. that can be a rather labor intensive or extensive, uh, expensive process uh, if you're doing it by accurate, well-supported means, right? So uh, whether you're using um, water displacement or air displacement, the devices used for this usually cost hundreds to thousands of dollars for someone to use. Uh, so we use things like skin fold calipers and bioelectrical impedance to help estimate that value. However, they tend to be rather inaccurate. Um, I had a bioimpedance scale that tracked my body fat for a period of time, and it was 10% off from a more research-backed uh, method. I was fortunate enough to have some connections at a uh, academic institution that had some of these more accurate uh, ways to track body composition, and I compared it one day. And again, the cheap, you know, fifty-dollar bioimpedance scale I got on Amazon was ten percent off uh, in my body fat compared to the more research-proven one. So make sure you, you know, keep in mind that even if you are checking the full body composition uh, of your entire body, the number you get may or may not be accurate depending on what you're using. And I think it's important to bring up too that, you know, we talk about issues with diet and health culture. And while body fat is a key measure uh, and body positivity is essential, we need to remember that things like type 2 diabetes don't discriminate. And there is a higher risk for chronic disease development, such as diabetes, hypertension, uh, stroke, different cancers. Uh, in individuals who are not active and have uh, higher than optimal levels of body fat. So I'm talking, you know, 30, 40, 50% of their body um, is, you know, considered fat mass. Uh, and that falls under categories uh, of like obesity and that sort of thing. Uh, and again, body positivity is important, but we also have to balance the uh, walk the fine line that falls between being confident and happy with who you are and being a healthy individual. And that's something that more often than not is what people tend to struggle with. That is very true. Um, there is, however, I feel like another issue with checking your body composition. Um, at times I have been extremely pleased with my body composition, or sorry, the way that I look and then I check my body composition. And like you said, they are inaccurate, but um, like I think my muscle mass went down or something like that, or my body fat percentage went up. And I was very confused because again, like I felt better about my body. So that's another thing. It's like, I just really think that we should start basing our uh, perception of our bodies just on how we physically view our bodies and not just like something that's on paper or on a screen. Um, Cause it can just be very problematic. Even if you think that you do have a good relationship with yourself. 
um because I just I've just seen that with a lot of people even with clients that I've had um as a personal trainer they are they would come to me at the beginning of their session saying I feel so good I feel like I look good and then they'd see their body composition and their faces would drop and then after that they would just be unpleased with what they all their hard work right so track the numbers but also keep in mind the value of not tracking them in some cases uh, especially when again some of these devices are very inaccurate right even skinfold caliper measurements right these were once considered the golden standard uh for tracking body composition but they're only as good as the person using them if the person uh doing the assessment is inaccurate in their means of uh, testing, then you're going to get a faulty number pretty much every time. So you have to, again, keep in mind that the tools are only as good as those using them and they have margins of error. Uh, so if you really are dedicated and you know decide to get body composition measurements, make sure you use accurate time-tested means uh, such as a bod pod or body uh, water displacement or something similar to that. Uh, and again, this is something that I really don't recommend to people just due to the cost and, uh, you know, lack of availability uh, of tests like that. Yeah, another thing that I think is important to note is muscle, muscle. Muscle mass isn't much heavier than fat. So if you are working out and you're gaining muscle mass, you will probably see the scale go up. However, that is not a bad thing. If you do see that you probably look like you're losing fat, um, this happens to so many people. And typically, eventually, the number just, just does fall down because the more muscle mass you have, typically the less fat you'll have if you have like a consistent diet and you are exercising frequently. Um, but yeah, so that's another misconception. Definitely. Yeah. And when we say that it's about density, right? A pound of muscle is still uh, the same weight as a pound of fat, right? You know, you yeah. get people give you these brain teasers, like, you know, a pound of feathers versus a pound of bricks or whatever. Uh, a pound of muscle equals one pound of fat. However, the amount of space that they take up is yeah. very different. That's what we mean by density. So one pound of fat being less dense takes up more area. Whereas one pound of muscle being more dense takes up less area. Uh, and that's something that for some reason people often uh, forget. Uh, they, they can't quite grasp that concept of density. And sometimes we just need it kind of explained to us like that. Another thing you said earlier, you were talking before about uh, kind of how you got into uh, health and fitness. You talked about why you started on the road of caloric restriction and high amounts of cardio, you recognized that there was an issue with that and you weren't seeing the results that you wanted. And then you kind of reframed things. I wanna talk about that for a second because many people start down this journey and they start to see results, right? Maybe the results they wanted were the number on the scale going down and they see that. And even though they don't feel good, they aren't energetic, they like that they see progress. So how are you able to take your situation and recognize that things weren't going like you wanted them to? What was kind of that turning point, uh, tipping point, if you will, for you? And how might other people work to recognize uh, where that is in their own journey? That's an excellent question. 
All right, so I personally think that my situation wasn't that bad solely for the reason that my friends and family kind of recognized what was going on and they would just say like, you don't need to do that. And I really appreciate that because if it weren't for them, I would definitely have continued on that path. Um, I do think it is extremely difficult for somebody to recognize them going through that spiral on their own. That's why I have my account just so that I can be that person for them, but I can't reach every single person. Um, so I don't think I can really answer that question as greatly as I wish I could. Um, but again, with like kinesiology, it kind of taught me why ex or how important exercise is. And that's what got me into working out consistently and made me take it seriously. Um, but that was months after I already fell out of this these poor habits that I had like didn't see results from it so that's <laughs> thank god for that yeah right so it sounds like the importance of having a support group and a support network mm -hmm. around you mm -hmm. uh, is really essential to your success and this doesn't apply to just you know weight loss or you know anything like that but in general your overall health and fitness journey whatever you're doing try and surround yourself with like-minded people who also want to improve or who know what they're doing, right? Hire a trainer, hire a coach. Uh, mm -hmm. We've worked with all kinds of people uh, earlier this uh, year, such as Sierra. I'll throw her on the spot for a second. She's a bikini competitor. She's a personal mm -hmm. trainer. She's a strength coach. She has a degree in exercise science. She has all these different qualifications and certifications. And yet she herself hires a coach, right? professional yeah. athletes they don't just go in and train themselves they hire a coach they hire a trainer they hire someone who knows what they're doing to help them get better uh so if you are very serious about this health and fitness journey one make sure you have a support network uh like just said but two if you don't seek out help there's nothing wrong in asking and uh getting someone to help you mm -hmm, exactly I think a lot of people fear seeking the help that they need, whether it is a therapist, whether it's a coach, whoever it is, they, it's definitely a very difficult step for a lot of people. Um, however, I think that it is so empowering if you are able to recognize that you need some kind of assistance, some kind of guidance. I think it is so mature and just such a big step to seek help from other people because typically we don't have the resources that we that we need or that we wish that we had um, from ourselves, from our family, from our friends. And hiring even just like a mindset coach can be so beneficial no matter what age you're at, um, no matter what point you are in life. It is It can be so beneficial for people. And I just really wish it was more normalized. And I think it, it is starting to be a bit more, more normalized, but I have had friends who have struggled to seek the help they need and they just they're in denial that they need it even though they deep down they do know that they need it what do you think that is is there a stigma attached to seeking help like a trainer or a coach or for sure there's definitely some kind of negative stigma towards that and and i i honestly thought it'd be better by now but definitely is not really getting as it's not getting much better right why do you think that is I think actually a lot of us like um in my generation I think a lot of us I think we're leaning more towards more leaders than followers if that makes sense something that I've noticed is a lot of the people my age they don't 
they want to be their own boss and so maybe people like that find it more difficult to seek help that's my guess yeah so people are kind of being pushed to be more independent and Mm -hmm. they don't want to seek out the help of someone else because they feel they can't um Mm -hmm. and you know my response to people like that is that everyone has a job to do everyone has a specialist Mm -hmm. so to speak right you know, if I have an issue with, say, uh, my foot, you know, if I have something going on with my foot, maybe I got a callus or something like that, right? I'm not going to, you know, waste two or three hours on Google trying to figure out what's going on with my foot, why it's, uh, you know, acting the way it is, or, you know, why that callus is there or whatever. I'm going to seek out a specialist to get that taken care of. Yeah, we only have so much knowledge and that's why everyone has a different profession. That's why um, we go to school, right? And I think a lot of people forget that. Right. And that's where it pays to have uh, specialists, right? People who have an extensive array of knowledge in one specific thing. And maybe you could eventually come to the same uh, you know, conclusion at the end of it on your mm-hmm. own, but it's probably going to take you significantly longer to get there. Uh, and a lot of people like the peace of mind that comes with having someone that's worked with hundreds to thousands of people just like you in the past uh, on that same exact thing. So I definitely think it pays to, uh, again, seek help. And, you know, there's no real shame in seeking help. I do it pretty regularly. In fact, just earlier today, uh, I reached out to someone I know on a case that I was working through and I was just very confused about the whole thing. I was like, you know, this doesn't add up. This makes no sense to me. Uh, you know, here I am literally getting my doctorate and I still don't have all the answers for people. Uh, so we are all constantly learning, but you have to be able to seek out someone who knows more than you in order to continue learning. And most of the time when we try to do it on our own, we typically don't do it as well as we hope that we could. So like you saying, like you doing your own research, you could, it's so likely that you could completely diagnose your foot with something that's completely off. Um, So things like that are very important to consider or like thinking that maybe you're going with, you have some mental health issues and maybe you think it's depression, but it's actually, you, or maybe you're actually bipolar. Sorry, tell me to like say, be that dramatic but um stuff like that so important to recognize or like yeah right it definitely helps to have that outsider perspective and sometimes it's just a different way of thinking about things right you know some of us are very regimented in how we look at things and think about things and kind of stuck in our ways and there's times where that is very beneficial other people are very open-minded and tend to think outside the box There's times where that is also extremely beneficial as it relates to health and fitness. So have a variety of people across all of those different facets that you can go to uh, Mm -hmm. for help as you need. Yeah. So with that, Jess, do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks about what we discussed? Okay. Well, we were talking about how the media affects how we view ourselves, how we view our bodies. And I think that something that really helped me um, change that perspective that I had was unfollowing people on Instagram, for example, that kind of made me feel negative in that sense. So for example, I I unfollowed a bunch of models. I unfollowed some people that even I was friends with and I just felt didn't really give me a good feeling when I saw their posts or saw them on Instagram. Um, And just things like that, trying to stay away from it as much as you can. My 
now I barely go on my main account on Instagram. I mostly am um, <clears throat> I'm scrolling on my new fitness and wellness account. Um, and that has made a significant change on how I view myself because everyone I follow on my fitness account is either fitness um, related or like is motivating or I just follow a very specific group of people and um, or very specific accounts and that is that has just really changed my mindset so I think that is a very simple thing that all of us can do in terms of changing how we view ourselves and just removing the negative things from our thoughts and from our environment. Definitely, that is great advice. If you are feeling negative, then if you remove negative things from your life, good things will probably happen, right? Exactly. Uh, it seems simple, but so many people uh, struggle to, you know, they don't think like that, it seems. Mm -hmm. I also just wanted to point on the um, diet culture just one more time. Um, so a lot of, I, I think this is more so brought up from like maybe early 2000s or somewhere a couple like decades ago um but a lot of negative or false um what are they called oh there's like there's a stigma about carbs like a lot of girls fear carbs and stuff like that and I just think that that is another big thing when it comes to diet culture um so when I was eating those 900 calories I in my head I was thinking I can only have salads you know and I just think that that is something that I wish we could touch more into this, but I don't really have that much knowledge about it because I'm not a nutritionist or anything. Um, but I don't even know where I'm going with this because I don't have the proper knowledge. But yeah, there's just like a really bad thing with when it comes to diet culture and food and carbs and stuff like that. And I wish that was removed. Yeah, well, carbs are a fuel source, right? Yes. But food in general is a fuel source. Fat mm -hmm. is a great fuel source. Uh, and while the low carb thing is constantly debated, uh, I personally, we all have our kind of biases and where we mm -hmm. lean on the nutrition spectrum, right? Uh, so there's low carb to high carb spectrum. There's vegan to carnivore spectrum. There's all kinds of different spectrums when it comes to uh, nutrition. And more often than not, it seems that the best answer lies somewhere in the middle. Uh, however, there are people who function really well on a low to no carb diet. Uh, there's cases of it in men, there's cases of it in women. There's also cases of people who function well on high carb diets. Mm -hmm. um, however, I like to look at the long-term health data. Um, there's not much available at this point, um, but what we are starting to see is individuals who follow the low carb approaches typically, and again, I say that typically because health does not apply to every single person the same way. Every single person is different. Everyone has unique physiology and makeup and what works for one person won't work for another. Uh, it does seem, however, that people who follow the high fat, low carb diets, if they're consuming healthy fats and healthy foods, tend to have better long-term health outcomes. However, again, that depends a lot on the person and the quality, right? So, you know, a high fat and a low carb diet that consists mostly of fried foods or, you know, vegetable oils, seed oils, low quality stuff, it's not going to have the same impact on your body as a high fat diet that focuses on 
uh, you know, clean oils and clean meats uh, and grass-fed butter, grass-fed meats, that sort of thing. So quality really matters when it comes to nutrition, but know that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to things. Uh, even though some things tend to work better than others for most people, that doesn't guarantee that it's going to work for you every single time. For sure, yeah. Jess, it was awesome having you on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to chat with you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy hearing it. Additionally, if you want to help support this podcast and keep future episodes going, please check out our links below where you can support us directly or through engaging in any of our affiliate marketing links. Last, please make sure you check us out on social media at Braun Body and leave a five-star review, especially if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify.